welcome, welcome to another installment of Standard Deviation. My name is Eve. Hey, hello, how are you? And Happy New Year. So just to give you a quick refresher about me, because it's been a minute, I'm a nurse by trade with a specialty in maternal child health. But I'm also an advocate for integrative health, wellness, and healing. And lastly, I'm an intuitive reader, and I strive to use that gift along with my nursing knowledge to address the root causes of disease in order for your healing journey to be a productive one. So hopefully by the time this episode goes live, it will be January 30th, which happens to be my brother's 50th birthday. He made his transition last summer and adjusting to this new kind of normal has been one of the most challenging for me. So when Spirit nudged me to restart this podcast, it made sense to relaunch on his birthday. Using my voice and speaking my truth to encourage others to speak theirs. Because while my brother was extremely vocal, I sensed an unspoken truth that he wasn't comfortable with expressing. And it was evident in his eyes the last time I spoke with him. And even if I had pressed him, he wouldn't have told me because he was stubborn. <laughs> so I am dedicating this relaunch to my brother. This work is how I will. Hashtag right big. Happy birthday, King of the Crouch. I love you. Alright, so what's been going on with you girl in the long time between episodes? When I released that initial episode back in September, I soon found myself stuck. Same thing that I mentioned in the first episode. <laughs> I find myself stuck with moving forward. I guess my particular variant of imposter syndrome had come up with a great idea, get really excited about it, jump headfirst into it, but then lose the momentum to keep going. Or I could sustain it briefly before the spark fizzles out. And did I mention that I'm a chronic overachiever and perfectionist? I think I did. <laughs> you know, your typical gifted and talented child. What I tend to struggle with is this notion that I have to be an expert, that I need credentials, training, certifications, degrees, this, that, and the other. Like, how can I market myself as a birth marketer if I'm not a midwife, a doula, a certified lactation consultant, and have a track record of nursing all of my children for a minimum of one year, even though I only have one child? Like, for real, there should be a baby on my teeth as we speak. Anything less than that means I have no business with the title. Because folks be out here defrauding the masses, giving piss for counsel, and setting people up for failure. Just listen to anything from the manosphere. Anybody can get themselves a microphone, including me, <laughs> and label themselves a life coach, a relationships guru, a shaman of how to be a high value man or a woman, and they develop this huge, huge following and be straight up trash, man. I'm not naming names, but I know you can think of at least one. And since I'm not naming names, you can name names. So drop in the comments because I'm petty like that. So what's different? What makes this round the round that goes the distance? What has transpired that has gotten me out of my head and out of my own way? Well, one decision I made was the one that was made eight years ago, shortly after my ex and I separated, when I decided that I would commit to the process of healing, no matter how long it took, that um, I was going to do whatever necessary to get to the root of where I went wrong, because I was broken, had no sense of identity, and couldn't differentiate my original thoughts from the voices of others who had either abused me, been emotionally unavailable, or were just simply pushing their own agendas. All I was certain of was that one, I could not afford to recover again. And two, I would not put my child at risk of needing to recover. And I made steady progress until 2020, right as the pandemic hit. And then I stalled and began to really struggle with depression and anxiety. You know, I continued to make an effort and therapy was and still is my go-to. It's the best tool in my arsenal. Still, I hit this mental plateau and experience a series of relational, financial, career, and mental setbacks. Some in the spiritual world will call it a dark night of the soul. I call it a train wreck, carrying a dumpster fire full of shit. 
it was time to go deeper than divorce recovery, deeper than parenting a child on the spectrum all by myself. That meant brutal honesty with myself about my experiences from growing up and how I navigated relationships, um, the workplace, religion, my role within my family, food, money, sex, sexuality, parenting, etc. And part of that brutal honesty is calling my life experiences exactly what it is. Being honest it is calling it a thing a thing. And I needed to stop dumbing shit down and referring to those adverse experiences as watered down euphemisms. I had minimized and normalized some really fucked up behaviors and situations and developed several negative thought patterns and behaviors as a result. And I didn't recognize the, the depths and the severity of my pain because everyone else around me also ignored, dismissed, and dumbed down their own. So I just normalized suffering and just, just existing as it was all I had been exposed to. And in mid-2022, I got to the point of burnout. I realized that I was at risk of stroking out at 42 years old. And that was enough to give me over the plateau. So I prioritized and added to my healing journey. The first step was to quit that job that I had at the time. Um, because had I stayed, I for sure would have had that stroke or a heart attack. I began utilizing alternative modalities like somatic experiencing, doing intentional shadow work, using tarot not as a means of fortune telling or um, predicting the future, but um, as a tool of self-development and reflection. Also looking to the generational wounds that had been passed down my family line. So here I am, striving to be healed, hydrated, and healthy. And I also decided to shift my focus away from becoming an expert, which can be challenging as a nurse, because the more credentials behind your name, the more likely you are to be considered qualified. So instead of focusing on how many letters of the alphabet I can string behind my name, um, I'm giving more weight to becoming a resource in the community and an advocate for an inclusive approach to health that begins with addressing the root cause of that disparity, of that chronic condition, that stuckness that holds us back, while also providing that safe space for healing to take place. I was focusing on the word expert, which was basically another form of feeling like I had to have perfection in order to be effective. And when my mindset began to shift, I was able to, um, I was able to kick back up again and relaunch. So I came across a post on YouTube from one of the many people I follow. Um, this person's name is Patrick Tien. I said that right. Sorry, Mr. Tien, if I butchered your last name. Um, but he is a licensed independent clinical social worker. I had to write that down. So. I'm going, I'm going to respect this man's credentials <laughs> from one professional to another. Um, but clinical life's an independent clinical social worker, and he specializes in childhood trauma and toxic family systems. I will leave his information to his channel in the show notes and in the comments, so that way you can check him out and see for yourself while I'm kind of like standing this dude right now, okay? I tend to fall down many a YouTube rabbit hole, so I honestly cannot tell you how I landed on his channel, but I am so glad I did. Before I started watching his content, I would describe my family as one that exists in sarcasm, roasting, profanity, and outside babies. And within the context of my immediate family, we were all islands into ourselves. Therapy taught me that one right there. That was an aha moment. But traumatic? Toxic? Nah. Nah. So yeah, I'm scrolling through YouTube, 
as I usually do while doing something else at the same time. And I came across a post that said, Toxic family systems expect children to be amazing without giving them any help. Let me tell you how that shit hit my spirit so deep on inside. <laughs> this man preached an entire sermon in 13 words. I mean, like, come on, just open the door of the church. Biggest gather around the altar. Start singing, come to Jesus. And pull up that little folding chair. Because surely, there must be one. I am the one. So. Listen, I get it. I get that scene that we're toxic can be pretty jarring, especially when we're talking about family. We have a tendency to think of words like toxic, trauma, and extremes, right? And in order for a situation to qualify as toxic or traumatic, it has to be like physical or sexual abuse, a severe mental or substance abuse disorders, a death of a relative in a way that was tragic or unexpected. things like exposure to violence. However, if we substitute toxic family system with statements like, I take care of my siblings all the time. As a matter of fact, my little sister was calling me mom. Or my folks should have gotten divorced. Well, these are not statements made by me. It was just examples. I promise. <laughs> or, um, oh my God. My daddy will always fuss at me about my grades. Or, uh, my hair. Or will say something about my weight. And then he or my mama or my grandma or whoever, they will always compare me to cousin Lisa or my big brother so-and-so because he was this and that and I could not be blah, blah, blah. So, with that being said, <laughs> the statement about expecting greatness in children as if they come out the womb as tiny adults <laughs> starts to make a bit more sense when it's reframed like that. Because when these behaviors are all that you know, you believe it's normal or not nearly as bad as that classmate who had to go into foster care because the mama was on drugs and the daddy was in jail. Or, <laughs> if your mama wasn't Penny's mama from good times, then your child was decent. That's alright. You turned out just fine. And I get that. Still, I'm going to do another story time with you, just like I did in episode zero. And perhaps after hearing my story, you will be able to view what Patrick T. Hen said in his in his post from a more informed or enlightened perspective. So, this is my story. I was 27 and had been married two years at this point. We had recently lost our home to foreclosure, and truth be told, I knew we were not ready for home ownership at that time. Um, but I had been talked into with some good old-fashioned faith shaming. <laughs> you see, at that time, I was really in the thick of it, and the it being the fog, or fear, obligation, and guilt. I hadn't realized yet <laughs> that I was in an abusive marriage, and that manipulation, deceit, gaslighting, um, guilting, shaming, <laughs> using the Bible to justify his behavior, and evade accountability was his M.O. I had also lost my job due to corporate restructuring and he was unemployed due to stress. So we um, relocated to Indianapolis seeking better opportunities because it was a bigger city than the one we were living in before. Um, Not Detroit, by the way. Um, But one weekend I did come home to Detroit alone to uh, gather some of the things that had been left behind at my parents' house. And um, I don't recall exactly what set my father off, and it wouldn't be the first time he would voice his opinion of what he thought of my husband. Uh, 
I tried to defend myself and defend my marriage and defend him, but my daddy wasn't having none of that shit. None of it. He went on and on about how the man was this and he was that and this, that, and the other, and basically just said Boo was trash. And then he said that he expected better and then proceeded to inform me that he thought that I was a disappointment. And I was gutted. He carried on for a few more minutes until he finally stopped, probably tired himself out, and he left the room. And I had actually planned on staying the entire weekend, but I decided to leave the next morning and I packed as much shit as I could into that car and left, including his words from the night before. And I would carry those words with me for the next 10 years. Every time I had a setback, every time I had more month than money, uh, any time that I had left my home after yet another instant of being told how I didn't know how to be a wife or a mother uh, or whatever way I had failed <laughs> my husband at the time, it disappointment was all I could hear. And that night, would turn out to be the last meaningful interaction I had with my father. Um, his cancer had returned and it had become more aggressive and and when it and then he wound up just passed he passed a, a few months after that night. So of course that just only added to my pain. Also, let me add that the only person I spoke to about what my father said that night was Satan's baby brother himself, also known as my now ex-husband. Remember, I'm still in the fog, and I had believed that he was my safe space. However, I had inadvertently given him additional ammunition to reinforce the notion that I was disappointment, and I believed it, which in turn became a self-fulfilling prophecy. But eventually, I had enough of the fuckery, and I grew a spine. I was finally able to call a thing a thing and began to set boundaries, which is the highest form of disrespect when you're dealing with a narcissist. Like how dare I state my reasonable expectations, stand my ground when they're violated and require that he not stomp all over them. Like, who does that? That sounds too much like a rule. And we don't do rules, duh. Anyways, the marriage ultimately imploded. We separated and eventually divorced. And it was when my divorce was finalized that I could think about my dad's words without feeling like I was reliving it. I had begun to understand what my father was trying to articulate, although the execution did way more harm than good. Because my dad saw my ex for who he was. He knew that my marriage was on shaky ground, that, um, the true intentions were to use me and his status as a husband and father for his own personal benefit. And my dad was actually the only one in my family to say anything to me at all. Now, the remainder of my family rejoiced, as did I, when the divorce was final. And the running gag, which is quite a distinction to bear, is that I had the only ex in my family that no one ever wanted to see again. And usually, exes from my other relatives that have had breakups and divorces, hey, whatever it is, that person is still cool. They can still come to the cookouts and whatever. No, not mine. Not mine. <laughs> I figure, hey, if you're going to fuck it up, you might as well do it greatly. <laughs> but uh, I recognize that my dad was sick and that he really didn't know how else to express his frustration and so I extended him compassion because he was right he wasn't lying you know my ex was trash <laughs> and he was indeed dragging me down so while it didn't sting as much something about that night still left me unsettled and unable to make complete peace with it I was eventually able to share the experience with others that who were not my therapist <laughs> or who didn't use it as a weapon against me and while most of them were surprised at how harshly he spoke to me they all pretty much said the same, said the same thing 
Well, you know he really didn't mean it like that. Well, my fellow deviants, it actually took until last year, the year of our Lord 2022, 15 years after that night, for me to finally make peace with it. It took therapy. It took taking my healing seriously and making it a priority. It took that brutal honesty to call that experience exactly what it was and not water it down. It took having an open mind to content creators that were focused on the healing, mental health, and self-development like Patrick Keene, um, Dr. Romney, the woke therapist, the Her Space podcast, the Therapy for Black Girls podcast, and even intuitive, intuitive readers like Rosology and Kurt Taylor. I will leave all of their information in the notes and comments as well. I had to actually examine incidents from my childhood and discover the root causes of my adult behaviors, thoughts, and patterns, and limiting beliefs. I was finally able to connect the dots that I wasn't a disappointment. You see, my father was a black male boomer from Mississippi who came of age in the thick of the civil rights movement. And if you took a look at the uh, gender roles during that time, Men were the providers, you would say. They worked and made sure the family had a roof over their heads, clothes on their backs, and food in their bellies. And my dad filled this role and then some. All of my needs were met. And yeah, I got the vast majority of what I wanted in terms of material things. So from that point of view, yeah, childhood was fine. Plus, he was funny as hell. Especially when he was in the same room as his siblings and it just became non-stop comedy <laughs> my ability to roast and be roasted is from that side of the family however my dad he was what um, my brother and I would say called a fusser and a cusser uh, he <laughs> we was on work this one time when I was in elementary school and he fussed at me so much I was to never never ask him for help again and he would come to um, big events like graduations, but the assemblies and all the other things, he, no, he wouldn't. Um, conversations with him were always pretty brief. And asking him for things usually involved him fussing for a few minutes. I mean, he'd give it to us, but we had to hear that mouth first. <laughs> Again, my brother, I would just say, you know, he's just being himself. However, in terms of navigating relationships, there were never any conversations about dating. We didn't have the talk about what I should and should not tolerate from a partner. I didn't have a model of what a good marriage was, what love and respect between two people in a committed relationship looked like. I wasn't taught shit about red flags. They were just pretty decor in the yard, as far as I knew. <laughs> and while many, including myself, have argued that he meant well, I've learned that two things can be true at the same time. What he said, even if well intended, came from a place of shame. It was the shaming that devastated me and crushed the younger version of myself that needed emotional provision and security. And the deeper message was wrapped up in so much shame, I wasn't able to find it for 10 years. I was left to my own devices to figure it all out on my own. And then I was criticized for failing to meet expectations that I was never made aware of or taught. So the best comparison I can give is when a, a new nurse is starting his or her or their career. And meaning a graduate nurse or perhaps a nurse that is stepping into a new specialty. Um, the best new nursing orientations, um, they're usually a few months long. Um, mine, for example, was 12 weeks long as a brand new nurse. And, but some even go up to be as long as a year. And you're paired with a preceptor, which is a more experienced seasoned nurse, to show you the ropes and the real life nursing, which is nothing like nursing school. 
and gradually the preceptor steps back as the new nurse gains confidence, learns to trust their critical thinking, and strengthens their skill sets. And when the orientation period is over, the new nurse is finally on their own and ideally can handle patient safety without oversight. However, the baby nurse uh, almost always has a resource in that preceptor. They can come to that preceptor if they need a little guidance or assurance on a process and even just to vent about how rough the shift was or how good it went. And unfortunately, there are some orientation programs that don't give that new nurse enough time to build that confidence and pretty much throw them out there to figure shit out, which can compromise the livelihood of the patient and the nurse. And this can happen for because of staffing reasons, low morale, the preceptor dealing with non-related work issues, the prior history of nursing civility, the culture of nurses eating their young, which is antiquated and serves no one in the profession at the end of the day. You know, we don't have to haze our new nurses, y'all. We don't. But then you have a sentinel event that occurs that results in a catastrophic outcome like loss of life, limb, or just injury or the impacts of that injury or illness that debilitates the patient or, you know, just really has a gross impact, right? And when that happens, events like that, the nurse who was in charge of that patient is berated, shamed, disciplined because it happened on their watch. The nurse clearly, clearly failed the patient and they simply should have known better. End of story. No one talks about the cracks that were already in the system, the ineffective processes, the workarounds implemented just to manage the load. The fact that the new nurse may have already tried to ask for help and was turned away or was too afraid to ask for help for fear as being seen as a nuisance or someone who can't pull his or her or their weight around the unit or accused of having like poor time management, patient management skills. And so they just make do. They do the best with what they have, right? <clears throat> and also no one wants to talk about the root causes that led to that sentinel event. Because the thing is, if you don't address the root, the problem won't go away. And sometimes addressing the root means owning up to the role that you played. So, my dad expected greatness of me without giving me the tools to be great. Without telling me what it was I needed to act, to assess, what areas I needed to focus on, what to do when something didn't seem right, and I made critical errors. Some I'm still in active recovery from. And one could argue that he was projecting on me. He looked at me and saw where he fell short. That he was actually seeing his own unmet expectations reflecting back at him. And it was just easier to respond by cussing and fussing. And you would be right. And that is where I have extended him that grace and compassion. While also giving the same grace and compassion to myself. Because like him, I was doing the best I could with what I knew. Now, I can look back on the relationship with my dad and have mostly good memories. He has been um, gone from this earth um, about 16 years at this point, almost. Um, about maybe 15 and a half, roughly. But I have good memories now. Or I can think of the good memories. And that night does not lay as heavily on me as it once did. And so, and then when I have those memories like that, they don't feel like death flows anymore. So if you are anything like me and have always felt that your upbringing was fine or that there were some dynamics that weren't the greatest but it wasn't bad then I challenge you to take some time and really think about your childhood and how it may impact you as an adult think about the things you struggle with in adulthood and consider where that may have originated from 
is it money perhaps you're in a ton of consumer debt or you just can't seem to get ahead somebody's always got a handout <laughs> or maybe you're the one that has the handout um, even if you don't like having your handout do you overspend or wonder just where the fuck that bonus check or that tax refund went so fast or you loan out your rent money and then have to scramble at the end of the month because you didn't get paid back yet and you don't want to be evicted or maybe you got a little issue with clutter in your house it's not messy just clutter it's not nasty just clutter you know do you have casserole dishes in your cabinet that are older than you <laughs> uh maybe and they're not like antiques or anything like that or maybe you have silverware service for like 25 but it's just you and your dog in the house and you don't entertain that frequently maybe it's a closet full of clothes in five different sizes but you can't part with any of it because one day you just you just might need it you can go ahead and finally get to whatever that goal weight is you could wear all those clothes that's been sitting in your closet for years or maybe in your other in your spare room closet or in the basement how about finding that you always compare yourself to others and if you're in a situation that's distressing maybe you dismiss how you feel or downplay how you feel um saying things like you blame it on you being just too sensitive and maybe in your feelings or if someone approaches you with a conflict how do you respond to it and is there always a reason why you haven't progressed in some area um, like your job for example um, or you haven't made that leap from renting to owning things like that you know or maybe you're doing things like always playing peacemaker brand of shit you don't want to do just to keep the peace and maybe sometimes you struggle with giving way more giving way more than you get back in return or you wonder why it seems that you are always attracting these trash ass individuals and with that are you struggling to take anything I said seriously just now does it make you uncomfortable to even want to think that far back to your childhood? You know, just make you still go feel a little ugh inside. <laughs> um, maybe you tense up a little bit when you think about it. Or maybe, be honest, maybe you're feeling a little defensive as I ask you to consider the possibility. I mean, I can hear somebody right now going. She don't know what the fuck she's talking about. My childhood was just fine. Who she thinks she is telling me that my childhood was toxic and it was traumatic. Man, go on with that. Seriously, though? If you feel stuck in any aspect of your life and you honestly want better and you just don't know how to start, you may just have to acknowledge that you were part of a family system that has unresolved issues, secrets, generational trauma, shame, antiquated beliefs, emotional absenteeism, and a lack of communication. And these are factors that actually can contribute to the very definition of toxic, which is harmful, unsafe, destructive, and damaging. It doesn't automatically mean that your relatives are terrible people, and it doesn't mean that they didn't do their best or that they didn't love you. It's okay to understand and know that they did their best. You can also acknowledge that there are places in you that need healing and support as a result of being in that family system. The two are not mutually exclusive, but you have to acknowledge it before you can heal it. Because without that, everything else is just a band-aid and temporary fix. Okay, fellow deviants, let's move it right along into the next segment. This has been something I have been wanting to do for quite some time. So, 
you may be familiar with um, Reddit and topics such as Am I the Asshole or Entitled People or Just No Meal, which is from Mother-in-Law, one of my personal favorites. <laughs> These posts are popular to the point where many content creators narrate these stories and give their opinions and the community response in kind and these narrations are usually on youtube or tiktok then you have six brown chicks um that blog and steve harvey's strawberry letter where some poor unfortunate soul has asked for advice so i figured why not give my take on some of these situations and offer my thoughts even though i was never asked so you have to let me know what you think of this additional content because you know it's nice to mix it up so for this segment i decided to pick a recent strawberry letter i am not the biggest fan of um this is steve harry morning show or this particular segment my mama listens safely in the mornings and since she's my roommate i do hear it and it usually becomes background noise until something is said that i find to be problematic and it usually happens during the strawberry letter all right so just let's get let's get into it i'm gonna read it straight through and then break it down subject whose side is he on my husband and i bicker a lot and he repeats things to his mama and daddy and they judge me from what he's told them over the holidays we went to his parents house in ohio is that important <laughs> i don't know sorry and i was miserable the entire time because his mom is a trip before we got married we had a huge argument in front of his parents and his mother told me that i should know my place with my husband and stop challenging him whenever he tells me things i understood and promised myself that i would do better her advice has continued and four years later she still only has had advice for me when my husband and I get into arguments. Yes, we argue over stupid stuff all the time. His dad knows the stuff is stupid, but he's always on my husband's side. I texted an online therapist for help and was told that if the group thinks I'm wrong, then I'm wrong. So I need your opinion. I take care of all of the laundry and dry cleaning, and my husband wants to wear a particular shirt one day, but it's still at the dry cleaners. I told him to communicate with me, and that can stop happening. He will say things like, we don't have any children, so why can't I just go to the dry cleaner more often? His parents have agreed with him on little issues like this, when the underlying issue is they're mad. The underlying issue is that they're mad that they want grandchildren and I'm not ready. I'm not having a baby with a man that talks down to me and picks fights over petty BS. When his mom talks to me crazy and I tell her to watch her tone, he sides with her. I don't have my family in our personal affairs, so why can't he keep them out of our business? This lady has a husband problem. She also has me problem. <laughs> it's a husband problem because this man baby is running to his mama every time his wife disagrees with him. And mama can believe that this woman has the audacity to disagree with her baby. And it sounds as if there is a dynamic that the husband can do no wrong in the parent's eyes. He's never been told no. He's been allowed to stomp on boundaries with no consequence. He probably doesn't even know the definition of a boundary. And his bad behavior has just pretty much been tolerated throughout his whole life. And so he sees his wife's difference of opinion as defiance, challenging, and not letting him be a man, putting his foot down, because he's the man. And anything other than blind obedience is viewed as an unwillingness to submit yeah and his dad may very well have modeled this same behavior with the mother and i'm actually curious to know if there are any other siblings in this family um if there are if there were any girls for example um if there was a scapegoat slash golden child dynamic going on favoritism things like that regardless of gender of the siblings but the wife is not without fault here because she goes there right along with him 
with the arguing inside the family. And she's not setting boundaries with the husband or the mother-in-law. I mean, like, why? What, girl? Why are you arguing with this man in front of his people? Come on now. For real? Don't do that. And the family is just eating it up. <laughs> and so, the response to her to the mother-in-law is just to tell her to watch her tone. Now, I don't particularly find that to be problematic. Um, because sometimes you just have to match energy. You know, folks gonna come at you crazy only so many times before you respond in time. And then it's all <gasps> shock Pikachu face when you do. But you've been acting crazy to me. Make it make sense. So that's my hot take. Now I turn it over to you. She didn't ask you either. <laughs> but tell her your thoughts anyway. And I would love to hear what you think. Not just about the letter. Um, but also my thoughts and what you thought of saying even if you disagree your perspective just may be the thing that's needed that will help someone else out in a similar situation so, and I think this would be a really interesting dialogue so I would love to hear some feedback <laughs> I've been debating on doing this um, before I started recording and so I decided to go ahead and jump in before we conclude for the day um, or the evening or whatever it is that you're watching so I have a few decks no room in the cocktail session I charge for that <laughs> anyways um, but I do want to pull some information cards so I have this deck for Press of Fate I love Press of Fate by the way Just a couple cards from that deck and then short quick messages. Um, and I've got three in so just a few Hopefully it'll encourage you. We'll give you a little extra motivation if you come back in a week, two months. do this on the one no the first one says i'm okay with making mistakes as i evolve let's get the camera focused well now you can do it seriously I'll read again. I'm okay with making mistakes as I evolve. Second, I forgive myself for the times I didn't know any better. And at the bottom it says, <laughs> I am open to loving myself unconditionally. because these are just like one word um, cards. So again, just a couple. Whatever. Alright, so 
Let me look it up. Okay, and it says, Tides finds us when we are fighting against the current. Even when we feel like we are surrounded by darkness, pushing up against it can make it all the more difficult. We are all programmed to find solutions. When we feel anxious or depressed, we try to fix it. When we feel fear, we try to figure out how to make it go away. And while there are always ways to work through these things, this isn't a card of submission. When we are present and accept our circumstances, things tend to get easier. Didn't it say that about <laughs> everything, and I mean everything, is temporary. The tides ebb and flow, whether it is high or low tide. Even when we are at the top of life or the pits of despair, life will continue to shift and change. Tides ask you to create space within where you where you can be present no matter what the circumstance. And then we have a reference second. sometimes feel a need to define. We make a connection or have an epiphany and we are able to put some pieces together. This is amazing, but there can be this desire to say, this is what it was, and I understand now. But anyone who has been doing this long enough can tell you that we will circle around the same thing many times. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and when we try to put language to it or say, I have healed that we stuff our ability to see the bigger picture. When the labyrinth opens to you, it is a reminder that the path never ends. Don't try to modernize this work by giving it an endpoint. And worse, this, this is a never-ending story, and you may find yourself going back to the same chapter many times. That is okay. Be enchanted by it instead. Underneath this deck here is the word whisper. For that George Michael Saltina. <laughs> if you know, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and I'm not going to sing it. Because first of all, I can't sing it with no copyright. But you know which one. Or you can when you're done watching this. <laughs> whisper. Okay, this one's short. It's your turn. Whisper. They ride on a soft breeze, dancing around clouds and trees and beings until they find it, gently curling around your ear, wrapping themselves into your hair, resting on your collarbone. These whispers from the, from the beyond, the echo of their own divinity, find its way back to you. Waiting for the moment when you find stillness, when the space around you is free and open, and you can hear without any interference. To be gifted with whisper is to know they are waiting for you to listen. Okay. Hi, Jupiter. Jupiter's talking. Giving us some truth right now. And lastly, my lovely, lovely rebel day for those of us who are more snarky. We don't want all the woo-woo stuff. We just want the truth. 
in the unfiltered truth. thing going. Don't ruin that shit. <laughs> this one. <laughs> it's dark and you can't see a fucking thing. <laughs> Kick your head out of your ass. Pronto. <laughs> the one that's under the head. Yes, I like it. You are the shit. If no one else told you the cards to get, and I'm telling you that you're the shit. Own it. Oh, it's this way. You are magic. Own it too. This is. Okay. That's enough affirming for now. <laughs> Till next time. So let me know. If it's something you want me to keep going, because I can pull cards all day, y'all. Alright. <laughs> and alas, we are near the end of our time together. Thank you once again for taking some time off to listen. It is my hope that something I said has resonated with you. Please drop your comments and share your stories. I'd love to hear from and hold space for you, if you would allow me to. We all deserve to know just how good healing looks on us. Till next time, babies. Talk to you soon. Sweet, I'm so tired of you. We need this way.